Welcome back to the Help Me Improve My Podcast. I'm Harvey Jones, and I'm joined by friend and psychology colleague, Damon Ashworth. Welcome, Damon. Thank you. Today, we're talking about improving your concussion recovery, and Damon and I are hoping to provide a clear and practical guide on what you can do to support your initial recovery from a concussion. We're likely to touch on persistent post-concussion symptoms briefly, but we'll have a future episode dedicated to that topic. Before we get started, we wanted to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we extend our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Also, the information we cover today is general in nature and for individualised support, we recommend you see a psychologist. If today's discussion causes you distress, please contact Lifeline on 131114. And we should apologise for our lateness with this podcast because uh, we have been a little bit delayed this month, but I'll blame myself for that. Having a few colds meant that my normally nasally voice would become even more nasally. So uh, we wanted to avoid that situation. This is definitely a topic I don't know too much about, so I might ask some pretty naive questions, but I'm hoping that some of those questions may also be something that the average person would have as well. Sounds great. That's that's what this is all about. First question, what is concussion? Concussion is a poorly defined injury because they're mostly diagnosed based on symptoms and from a retrospective uh, perspective, so symptom reporting. And the symptoms are considered nonspecific, and what I mean by that is that they can occur um, with a number of common injuries that aren't a concussion. But essentially, a concussion is a mild transient injury to the head that causes a temporary disruption in brain function. The force can be transmitted to the head either through a direct impact, so a head strike, or through a force directed to the body. So a strike to the body that then transmits that force to the head and makes the head move. A loss of consciousness is actually really rare, despite many people's perspectives. So about 10 to 20% of cases uh, result in a loss of consciousness. And the term concussion is used interchangeably with the term mild TBI. So you'll sometimes hear people call a concussion a mild TBI or a mild TBI concussion, and essentially they're the same term. I've heard the terms ABI and TBI. What are they and is one worse than the other? ABI is the umbrella term, acquired brain injury, and this is any brain injury uh, sustained from a force, so either a traumatic force externally or an internal force like a stroke or something like that, Um, and a traumatic brain injury is a brain injury sustained by an external force, and so that comes within ABI. And Technically, a concussion is a type of TBI, um, a traumatic brain injury, but certainly on the very mild end of that spectrum. So what would you say the normal symptoms are of concussion? We generally break them into four categories. We have physical symptoms, cognitive symptoms, sleep changes, and um, emotional changes. The physical symptoms tend to be headaches, dizziness. So certainly headaches are the most common symptom. Balance changes, People can experience nausea. Um, some people experience some vomiting early on. They're, they might experience fatigue, sensitivities to light and noise. That sort of rounds out the physical symptoms. The cognitive symptoms can be anything from brain fog, disrupted concentration and attention and memory difficulties. 
Sleep changes include increased sleep duration, decreased sleep duration, troubles getting to sleep, and emotional changes. Typically, we see a lot of anxiety, irritability, some depression, and some emotional going up and down, a bit more kind of on edge. How long would you say the mental health impacts happen and how bad can they get? We usually see the majority of concussion symptoms resolve within the first two to four weeks. And so for 80% of people who sustain a concussion, those symptoms will resolve in that kind of two to four week time frame. Um, for 20% of people, those symptoms can persist. There's a number of reasons why they might persist. And look, we can come to that later. Uh, but look, most of the evidence suggests that they're not related or persistent symptoms are not related to sustaining a more severe uh, brain injury. There's mainly other factors that are really individualized that tend to predict p- more persistent symptoms. And in terms of those mental health impacts, can they be really severe or sometimes they only mild? What's it like for people? Yeah, they can They can really range. So they can be very on the very mild end and they can be quite severe. And we know that increased anxiety in the first few weeks after sustaining a concussion can result in persistent symptoms. That's probably the biggest predictor of persistent symptoms. So how anxious we are and and the lack of clarity and, and a lot of uncertainty in that first few weeks about what you might be going through uh, can actually lead to persistent symptoms. So what would you say the main do's and don'ts following a concussion? The main do's, so the prescripted recommendations at the moment are to have relative rest for the first day or so. And that really doesn't mean complete bed rest. We've we've certainly moved away from the recommendation of complete bed rest. Relative rest just means keep your normal routine, but try and avoid work, sport, so active sport and uh, study and try and have, have a break for those for the first 24 to 48 hours. And then gradually start to build those in at a sub-threshold or sub-symptom threshold level. What we mean by that is start to do the activities that you like to do, so work, sport, and try and avoid contact sport until you're symptom-free, but any kind of walking, running, et cetera, as long as it doesn't exacerbate symptoms, it's great. And so slowly kind of reintroduce those activities. So you might sort of go back to work a couple of hours over a couple of days and and take breaks throughout and try and stay under your symptoms. Um, And if your symptoms get a bit higher, just take a step back and maybe go back to like doing, you know, two hours instead of three or four hours in a day. Is there a difference between a concussion where people lose consciousness and are not aware or a bit dazed and confused versus someone who doesn't lose consciousness or feels like they're aware the whole time? There is. So losing consciousness occurs in about 10 to 20% of people um, who sustain a concussion. So it's actually quite rare. But again, there's sort of mixed evidence whether loss of consciousness leads to a more persistent symptom outcome. Um, And certainly it's not a pattern that we see in our work, uh, we tend to see um, a whole range of people experiencing persistent symptoms and more more challenging symptoms to manage, um, irrespective of whether they lose consciousness or not. I'll just quickly go back to the don'ts because I think that's quite important. So the don'ts after a concussion, I would certainly try and avoid getting into a bad sleep pattern. So I know we've talked about sleep in a previous episode, and we know that very quickly. Uh, sleep changes can sort of set in stone and can start to undo 
our normal sleep routine. And so one of the things that I would say is really important after a concussion is trying to keep your regular sleep pattern. Um, there shouldn't be any real, there's no real evidence that people need extra sleep after the first kind of, you know, 24 hours after a concussion. And so trying to sleep in your normal sleep routine is probably the best. Developing a pattern where you're spending a lot of time in bed and having a lot of bed rest will lead to deconditioning and may exacerbate some of those physical and cognitive changes um, and will also lead to, you know, ongoing sleep difficulties. So that's definitely a don't and don't, another don't is, yeah, don't go back to contact sport until you've been cleared by a medical professional and are symptom free. And symptom free means you can do everything that you can do before without it having a worse impact? Yeah, definitely. That you can carry out your normal daily activities without experiencing the symptoms like headaches, dizziness, et cetera. You mentioned deconditioning before. Are you able to explain what that is? Yeah. So essentially when we spend excess time in bed, and this happens quite regularly after any kind of injury, while we're recovering, what happens is our, our body starts to decondition. So our body starts to lose its fitness and, and capacity to utilize energy stores. So we essentially start to develop fatigue and start to um, lose our capacity to complete the normal activities that we ordinarily do quite easily. I remember a few years back, NASA were trying to recruit people to do this study where you just had to sit in bed for 30 days. And they were looking at the impact that it could have on people's bodily functions and things like that. And I tried to volunteer for it, but I didn't get accepted. I was a bit disappointed about that. I was going to say, that's, that sounds like a horrible study to uh, participate in. <laughs> if the money's good enough, I would have considered it, but it would have definitely had a negative impact on my functioning over time. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like, you know, if we spend a lot of time in bed, we're not using our systems, then they're going to lose their functioning and lose their, their conditioning pretty quickly. Um, I think complete bed rest leads to deconditioning within the first sort of two to three days. So it happens quite fast. Wow. What would you say a typical recovery timeline is for someone who has a concussion? Oh, it's really varied. So we see some people experience next to no symptoms um, and recover, you know, within the first couple of days. And some people experience symptoms for, you know, a number of weeks, like I said. And and I think that the newest evidence suggests that most most people recover within the first four weeks, that 80% mark. Um, and then obviously there's that 20% that experience persisting symptoms, which we can talk about more in a future episode. It's really varied. The current recommendation for sport is, you know, try and sit out for at least 10 days. And I know in the US it's two weeks here in Australia, it's around 10 days and it, it varies across the world. But I think that's just a general recommendation to try and prevent any kind of secondary impact syndrome, which is a very rare issue, but can occur when you have a secondary concussion in while you're still kind of recovering and while you're in that early recovery period. It sounds a lot different to what it was like back when you and I were younger. I, I remember watching AFL and people had seem a bit dazed and they just shake it off and keep going. Now it seems like you do have to take that 10 days to two weeks off. You think that's a good change? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic change. And I know it's frustrating for athletes and they find it incredibly frustrating, particularly if they're in the group that recovers quite quickly. But I think there is really clear evidence that it does. Uh, it obviously prevents secondary impact syndrome, which can be quite challenging and quite catastrophic. And it also prevents any persistent symptoms that might occur if you have another re-injury. Having a, another concussion 
fairly close to a, a first concussion can actually increase the chance of having persistent symptoms. Does alcohol play a role in terms of if you drink after a concussion, can it make the symptoms worse or last for longer? Yes, there's definitely evidence that suggests that um, alcohol can lead to persistent symptoms. It's not super clear and it's definitely hard to disentangle, but I would say if you're still experiencing symptoms, I would try and avoid alcohol. Um, Alcohol is a pretty neurotoxic drug and doesn't really discriminate against systems. So generally the recommendation is to stay away from alcohol while you still have symptoms. So it could potentially be that few weeks where it's best to not drink as well. Yeah. Any period of time that you're experiencing symptoms. And I keep coming back to that mainly because that that period of time is so varied. And so, you know, if I say for two weeks for one person, that might not apply to someone who recovers within a couple of hours. Would you say that most sporting codes manage concussion well these days? Uh, that's a really tough question to answer. I would say the sporting codes I'm familiar with are managing it much better. I still think there's some work to do with managing persistent symptoms. And I think the sporting codes, at least from the outside looking in, maybe could do some work on that. But at least managing people's initial recovery, I think they're doing a much better job. Yeah. Do you remember the movie Varsity Blues? I actually never seen Varsity Blues. Never seen it? Okay. So there there was a guy in that, and this is American football, where they were saying that he'd had a number of concussions and, you know, if he had one or two more, it was just going to have lifelong devastating impacts. Is it true that there's only a certain amount of concussions that we can have before it can have really negative impacts? Yeah. And I remember that joke was made on Not Another Teen Movie and that was uh, parodied, obviously parodying uh, Varsity Blues. Yeah. The answer to your question is uh, no. I mean, it's not clear, really. There is a lot of, obviously a lot of um, media attention on chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is a uh, neurological, neurodegenerative condition that has been linked to some elite sports, so particularly boxing, uh, NFL, and maybe a little bit around soccer or football. That condition is not clearly linked at the moment to concussions. It's certainly looks very linked to head injuries and head impacts and this idea of subconcussive knocks, so repetitive knocks, you know, thousands of knocks across a week during training and sport. There are people in the general community who can develop CTE with no concussion history um, who have never played any sport. And so um, I think it's still a very kind of mixed area of research and we still need to know a lot more about it Certainly with regard to Australian sports, most of the research at the moment hasn't made a a strong connection between the sports and CTE, but that research is pretty pretty much in its infancy. Um, It still needs a lot of work to do. But sport continues to remain neuroprotective. And I would say there's, there's absolutely no, you know, this many concussions and I'm out of it for life. There doesn't seem to be a dose-based relationship between concussions and and future changes in, in brain function. So what I mean by that is the more concussions you have, the more at risk you are of having future brain function has just not been shown in research. Interesting. So there are some people that have retired early because they've been concerned about that, that maybe they didn't need to? Uh, so I can't comment on individuals, obviously. Yeah. And I'm not a neurologist making those decisions on return to play. 
based on concussion number alone, um, no, I wouldn't be making any retirement decisions. Okay, good to know. So what would you say is the main takeaway for the average parent who worries about their kids having concussion or multiple concussions? Yeah, and this is a very common concern that we come across a lot in our clinical work. I'd say multiple concussions are a part of playing sport. They don't have to be, but they can be. I wouldn't be super concerned with experiencing multiple concussions as long as you're following correct protocols with regard to return to play and your children are recovering pretty well. If they're having difficulties recovering, again, that doesn't mean that uh, they're experiencing a worse brain change. All it means is that they might need some assistance in recovering and returning to, to sport or returning to learning or whatever it might be. And so there you might need to get some help from professional team like like our team. But really, I think it's it's not so much about multiple concussions causing or at least leading to long-term impacts. Um, it's more about that initial recovery and how we're managing that. And if somebody did want to get a bit of extra help, they're a bit concerned, what would they do? Where could they go? So there's a number of places that they can go to. So for dizziness-specific stuff, um, there's dizzy days in Victoria, but there's lots of vestibular physios, neurophysios around the country and in other countries who uh, specialise in that sort of work. There's lots of private concussion clinics popping up here and there, at least in Melbourne. I'm at the Epworth Concussion Clinic, um, and we certainly specialise in helping people get back into into sport and life and work and and study. But I would highly recommend waiting that kind of four weeks and trying to gradually return to things yourself and try and avoid complete bed rest. I know that a very common recommendation from medical professionals is to go and rest and wait or go and spend time in a dark room. And they are certainly not the scientific-based recommendations. The scientific-based recommendations are definitely a graded return to activity um, that's sub-symptom threshold. For 80% of people, that will pretty much do the trick. Looking at screens, can that ever be bad for people with a concussion? So it can exacerbate symptoms. Um, and there's a number of reasons why it might exacerbate symptoms. Again, you know, the mechanism's not always clear, about why that's exacerbating symptoms, but often it's to do with our, our balance system and the, our balance system relies heavily on our eyes. And so if our if our eyes are working extra hard, then screens can kind of overload that, that process, particularly in the initial recovery. And so that can sometimes result in persistent symptoms. But again, just pace yourself back into those activities. So try and do a little bit of screen work if it's exacerbating things, making a headache worse or or making you feel dizzy or lightheaded, just take a break from it and then come back to it. I wouldn't avoid it completely. We know what avoidance can do. It can just make the problem even worse. So uh, trying to just gradually ease your way back into things. Yeah. And this is where I think it gets so tricky. And I, I do a bit of work in helping people with this as well, is sometimes if they've had an injury, whatever it is, they do feel a bit anxious about getting back to things and how they're going to go. And so I think sometimes the first time they do something, it's natural that, that you're going to notice a lot of symptoms, but that doesn't always mean that it's because of the concussion or the injury. Sometimes it can just be, all right, I'm, I'm feeling a bit anxious and overwhelmed about this, but if I do it for a little bit longer, my brain and body are going to settle down. I'm going to feel a lot safer. And then it doesn't mean that those impacts will always continue. 
Yeah. And I think the advice around concussion early is so uncertain and so unclear and so varied, despite very clear advice and very clear recommendations in the research setting. There's there's really varied advice that comes from emergency departments, general practitioners, um, other medical professionals, even the media. And so because of that variation, there's a lot of uncertainty and we know what uncertainty does. Uncertainty increases our anxiety. If we have uncertainty, our our mind fills that uncertainty with, you know, possibilities, ideas, solutions. Our brain tries to solve that problem. And so, and that can lead to quite a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. We talked about stress in a, in a previous episode. And that in it in itself can can make Returning to those activities really challenging. Um, it increases our internalized focus of attention when we're anxious. So we we look more at our own experience, and that can sometimes turn the volume switch up on our experience and make our symptoms even more problematic um, and more more challenging to work through. And so that's why some of the best research shows that providing ed- education and clear guidance on how to recover in the first 24 to 48 hours after a concussion actually reduces that 20% down to sort of 10 to 5%. So really does a fantastic job of reducing persistent symptoms for a large majority of people who, ex- who are going to experience persistent symptoms. So, and that just really shows how much more we could do from an emergency and immediate medicine perspective with regard to advice around concussion and management and just a simple handout and information leaflet can do wonders for persistent symptoms. And just so people are clear then, in that first 24 to 48 hours, what would you say the main things are for them to focus on or think about? Avoid complete bed rest is my number one and try and keep your normal sleep routine is number two. Avoid alcohol, we talked about that, and other recreational drugs. Try to have some relative rest for the first 24 hours. Um, And what I mean by that is try and stay away from the more demanding aspects of your life, but keep doing some little things. Keep participating in family life, doing things at home, going out for some, some light walks is fine. And then over the next few days, start to reintroduce those things that you want to do. So things like study, work, some light exercise and and gradually increase that trying to stay underneath your symptoms as much as possible a little bit of symptom exacerbation is okay as long as you understand then that that's an indication to take a break and it might only be a five to ten minute break and then have another go again and, and slowly build yourself up until you're feeling like you're doing most of the activities that you would normally do i like it is there anything else you'd like to say on concussion today Probably one of the the biggest ones I say to a lot of people experiencing a concussion or who have experienced a concussion is that worse symptoms does not necessarily mean worse injury. I really try and stress that message. The relationship between injury markers, so you know whether or not you've had some bleeding on the brain or you know how how much memory you've got around the injury does not really correlate very well with symptom severity particularly in the first couple of weeks worse symptoms does not necessarily mean a worse injury rehabbing 
persistent symptoms is certainly possible. And like I said, we'll come to that later, but definitely getting some guidance around that after sort of four weeks, if you're still experiencing symptoms can be really helpful. And the last thing is if you are experiencing persistent vomiting or your symptoms are like deteriorating quite rapidly, particularly like quite severe headache and confusion, um, particularly if other people are noticing you're confused, definitely go to an emergency department immediately because that might be a sign of a worse injury. That's really helpful. Thanks for discussing everything you know about concussion today, Harvey. I know it was useful to me and I hope it was to other people too. Great. Thanks, Damon. Thanks, guys, for joining us again on the Help Me Improve My Podcast. Uh, It's been great to chat with Damon about concussion, something I'm incredibly passionate about. Uh, Thanks again to Eamon for providing our catchy theme song and I hope you can join us in a month's time where we explore everything anxiety with Damon.